0: Support for the Scouted Football Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code SCOUTED20 at manscaped.com. Hello, welcome back to another episode from the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, I am Joe Donahue and today we've got one of your favourites. It's a scouting session with the one and only Lee Scott. Um, first things first though, before we get into where we'll be scouting players from this week, uh, there are some congratulations in order. Um, for those of you who don't know, Lee has been working as head of data analysis at Velez CF in Spain, uh, remotely working for him, unfortunately. Um, but the team have just secured promotion to Segunda División B, Um, So well done to to all involved there. Um, Today, though, the scouted pod is not centred in Spain or similar sunny climes. We're in Scandinavia for something of a a Scandi pod. Um, And for those who aren't familiar, Scandinavia covers Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark and Iceland in Europe. Uh, And I think myself and Lee have have a nice spread of players to discuss uh, from across those countries. Um, It's an area of the world which is quite intriguing from a scouting perspective. Um, For a number of reasons, namely because in a climate where outdoor pitches at grassroots level are are often inaccessible for many months of the year. You know, these countries continually produce players at the top level across the European stage. Uh, And to emphasize that this summer, Finland will be competing at the European Championships for the first time. Norway and Denmark have some of the most exciting crops of young talent across Europe. And the Swedish top flight, the Scan, has a real breadth of exciting under the radar names. Um, without further ado though, Lee, welcome back to the pod. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good, Joe. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, looking forward to getting into some some more abstract leagues, I think, that, that perhaps that there's quite a lot of interest in, but um, there hasn't really been... Uh, well, there isn't a, a huge, huge following of it in, in the UK, I'd say.
1: No, there's definitely not. I think that you touched upon it there, that there's so much breadth of talent around the Scandinavian leagues that it tends to be one of my favourite areas to look at. When I'm doing any type of scouting, um, I try to keep abreast of, of all the interesting names that come up. But it can be a little bit tricky because, as you just said, some of the pitches are inaccessible during the winter months. So in Sweden and Norway, they, they run a different schedule to the rest of, if you like, main section of Europe. Um, the Swedish Alstom scan has only just got underway a couple of weeks ago. And we're still waiting for the start of the top flight in Norway. It was delayed by, I think, a month. Um, so it'll get going soon, but that I think that adds to it a little bit for me because it gives you the opportunity when you get to the point where the the rest of Europe is kind of winding down its domestic season that there's a whole other part of Europe that you can jump right into and enjoy football the whole, whole year round.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and we did we did do a similar pod a short while back, didn't we? Um, where we looked at players in Denmark um, as well as Belgium and Holland. Yeah. Um, and, and for that reason, I've, I've only gone with the one Denmark-based player this time around in my three picks. Um, but I seem to recall us discussing Mohamed Darami and Kamaldeen Suleimana, who play for FC Copenhagen and FC Nordsjælland, respectively. Um, Lee, I'm sure you'll have kept an eye on, on their progress in, in recent months because, you know, especially Suleimana has has been one of the most exciting players in Denmark and and in Scandinavia over the past few months. Um, but have have they lived up to expectations for you this season, or what what have been what's been your
1: assessment? I think Sulemana, certainly has. I think we also talked about Diomadi um, on that podcast, Mohamed Diomadi, who is also in Norgeland, the Ivory Coast midfielder, come winger, come fullback, come plays, whatever he wants, really. Um, I think that Norgeland and, and Sulemana and Diomadi have done really well. I think Dharami has been good in patches, good in flashes. I've, I've seen him on video, I've watched his full game a couple of times, and he's still giving you that little bit where... He drifts in and out of the game a little bit and doesn't always really grab your attention and dominate on the ball the way that he should do. But again, he's so young, I still think that that will definitely be something that comes out in his game. But I think that you've actually picked a a player, Norgeland, who who has appeared, who's even younger than Diomade and Suleimana. And that's just testament to how how focused Norgeland are on the development of youth players.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's probably a good place to to start. Then, really, isn't it? Um, the the first player on on our list um, is is the youngest, uh, and that's Andreas Schelderup at FC um who is a sixteen year old attacking midfielder slash forward, um, playing regularly for Nordjylland in in Denmark's top flight on a regular basis. Um, he was quite remarkably a free transfer from from Bodo, Glimt last summer in Norway, who who absolutely romped to the Norwegian title in twenty twenty um And ever since he arrived in denmark he was he was he absolutely blew away the competition in Denmark 's under nineteen league. I think he scored eight goals in eleven games um a handful of assists here and there as well and 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 since then it it became quite apparent that despite his age, he was able to to come into this nodulent team and 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 really impact the first team um and I think the the fact that it is nodulent where he 's come into is probably one of the most important things because at other clubs, 16-year-olds, you know, they, they, they wouldn't get a look-in, regardless of how well they're doing sort of at an under-19 competition. But with Nordjylland, you know, the average age of the squad is, is very, very young. I think, you know, you're looking at, you know, multiple teenagers in the starting 11, you know, the, the, the oldest players in the squad, sort of, you're, you're pushing sort of 23, 24. Um, so it is a very young team. So it wouldn't be very difficult for, for him to come in and mix it with players of a similar age. Um, so I think that's been quite beneficial. Um but yeah, he's played I think twelve times for the first team, um starting four of the last five in in the Super League championship round, um which is when the league splits and, and all the best teams play each other to see who will who will lift the title. But he scored versus Lingby and, and Sundayiski um before the league split and, and and since then has picked up three assists in, in his la- in those last four starts. Um you know at 16 years old playing in the top flight division you know this is some this is some special stuff you know it's 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 very it, it's very exciting I think that that you know this this appears to be you know the next big Scandinavian talent without sort of you know in, in imposing too much of uh of, of, of an expectation on him um you know he he, he holds on to it well and I think that that's one of the things I really like about um about young players playing well above their age is that you know I, I think Every, you know, everybody's noticed how little time you have on the ball when you go up a level, even, even yourself, Lee, you know, when you, when you're playing, you know, against better players, it's constantly getting nicked off your toe. You have to be sharper with your decisions, your awareness, everything about it. And you have to be more physical as well, holding off ta- um, challenges. I think he's, he's, he's alert without being erratic, which for 16 very impressive. Um, and and you can't really argue with the numbers that he's posting already. Lee, I, I know that he's a player that you've seen a, a little bit of, um, mainly because he's only played a little bit. Um, but um, you know, would you? How would you describe
1: him as a player? I think the first thing to say, just to touch on, on it quickly, is you, you spoke about it just in that that little segment that the thing that young players always talk about when they move up to the first team environment is the speed. It's the speed of thought, the speed of pass, the speed of action, if you like, that's so difficult for them to acclimatise to at first. That's why many teams before a player gets exposed to first team football will come up a few times a couple of months before and train with the first team just to get an idea of the tempo. And drops come right in and he just looks at home. He's got that that capacity to play in tight spaces that you like from an attacking player. He doesn't mind receiving the ball with pressure behind him, even with more physical players. He's he's quite combative for a 16-year-old. He's not somebody who's... He's not frightened to, to use his elbows and to, to push himself back on the defender and, and hold them off in that way. But what really struck me, I mean, I... I saw him coming at the first team, and I didn't. I didn't look at first I knew he was a young player. But in Nordland you expect young players to come in. It wasn't until the Lingby match that he really, really stood out for me because you have a teenager coming into the first team squad, and you touch point yourself that he scored in this match. His goal was from a direct free kick about twenty yards out of goal, right in the centre. How many sixteen-year-olds would be able to demand to be the one to take that free kick? and to have their teammates allow them to take that free kick. And again, what I really liked is that he he took the free kick and he puts it to the goalkeeper's left. He completely wrong-footed the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper didn't even move, and that's a mark of quality. And then you have him, in the next match, he comes in and scores two goals, and those two goals are so different. The first one, he gets the ball wide and he drifts right across the face to the penalty area. He drifts past, I think, about three or four challenges with defenders being put on their backsides because he's fake shooting and he's putting them down and and he's just got that composure and that almost impudence to keep moving with the ball and not rush his shot. He just waits and pauses and then releases the shot at the right time. And I think that confidence is something that really, really stands out in him. He just looks like he is incredibly comfortable at the first team level already. And again, that that's something at Nordisland, which is easier because the coaching staff, like young players, the 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 teammates around him are young as well. So there's a an affinity there, if you like, between them all. But he still has that that swagger, if you like, and some people don't like it in young players when they can look a little bit arrogant, a little bit overconfident. But I think that that's a mark of a young player who has the capacity to really develop and do well because you've got to have belief in yourself as a, a a professional footballer there's absolutely no two ways about it you've got to have that confidence and that swagger to, to be able to receive the ball and, and know that you have the, the ability to take players on and his technique his strength his dribbling his vision all of it so well all of it so far is looking really really good it's just going to be a case of seeing exactly what happens i think next season when he has a full season with the first team and then we'll really see what we have
0: yeah, absolutely, and and just sort of looking at the timing of those goals that you mentioned there against Lingby and Sunday, um, you know, they they came right before the league splits, and then you kind of get you kind of give the manager a, a decision to make, and I suppose with it being Nord Zealand, it's probably not a, a, a difficult decision. But from that point, he was, you know, he two, I think it was three or four starts before that, um, and since then, he started four of the next five. So clearly there's a there's an indication that he's he can be trusted and and I think that self belief definitely comes into it um and the the thing as well is that when you're watching sheltered up it's that you'll start the game and you'll think okay well I'm looking in certain areas of the pitch to see where he is but then he's not there because he's I think he's played in about four or five different positions already yeah. which I'd say is probably not abnormal for a 16 year old while you know his first real taste of senior football because you're trying to feel out where he suit he's suited best where his skill set is maximized and and the 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 rougher points of his game aren't exploited um but you know to have played sort of on the left wing on the right wing as as more of a i mean he's listed as a center forward in some of these games but i'd say that he's more of a withdrawn forward in some in, in terms of the balls that he's coming deep to 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 get and allowing those those wide forwards to push on um is there something about him playing multiple positions which is, I don't know, potentially exciting for
1: you? I think that we're still to see exactly where he's going to settle. And I think we've touched upon this in podcasts that we've recorded before, that versatility is great. Um, Versatility is something that coaches look for because it gives them flexibility within their squads. If a player is versatile and can play two or three different positions, but sometimes in a young player, you've got to be careful with versatility because it can harm development. If you have a young player who you're given a lot of exposure to at first team football, but you're playing him on the right of midfield and centre midfield as a striker, he's not getting the opportunity to build up those pictures at the first team level that players need to have. They need to understand what the game looks like with a little bit more game time to understand exactly the positions, the, the spaces, the flow of the game from those different positions. I think that Sheldrup, at the moment, I mean, he's a player who likes to, wherever you play him, where you play him in attack, in midfield, and the wing, he has a tendency to drift into that left-sided space or the half-space on that side of the field. I think that's eventually where we're going to see him. I think that he is somebody who can play in the wing, maybe doesn't display top-level speed yet. I would think that if it was me and I was going to place a bet on it, I think he'll develop into a really good left-sided attacking number 8 or number 10. Uh, with the ability to get forward and really affect the game from those positions. Similar in, uh, if you're going to make a comparison to a, a good first-team player at the moment, similar kind of movement profile in that position, I think, to that we see Kevin De Bruyne have at Manchester City, where he can pick the ball up deep, but then he drives forward into the more advanced positions and, and he's kind of the, the creative player who unlocks defences from that area.
0: I see. Okay, then. Um, it's probably best if we move on to the next player on on our respective lists.
1: Uh, and Lee, who is first on your on your list? I'm gonna go for the one. Um, apparently, I'm getting quite um quite obvious with my picks. I think you said <laughs> that uh, Scout Lou guessed that I was going to go for this player, and it's Akinkunmi Amu, the 18 year old Nigerian wide player who currently plays in Sweden for Hammerby. Um. Some of you who are listening to this will have already seen the clips that are starting to emerge on social media of Amu. And I think it's safe to say that you're going to see a lot more clips emerging of him in, in play. There was one in particular, I forget who posted it, but it was from a match this season. And you can hear the commentators in the background as Amu picks up the ball for Hammerby. And all you can hear is the, the colour commentator, the, the second commentator. His mic is still open and he's just giggling as Amu gets the ball because of the things that he's doing in possession there's little tricks and flicks to get the ball away from defenders he's feinting on one side putting the ball on the other side of defenders and then I think in that sequence he eventually tries a shot at goal that curls towards the far post and just misses I think that kind of encapsulates if you're going to take one clip of a player and encapsulate what you get from that player I think that that is Amu in a nutshell he is a creative See He's not somebody who does the conventional thing. I don't think he's quite diminutive, quite small. I think he he comes in. He's listed in transfer market. I think about one hundred sixty three centimeters, which I think is about five foot three. If I remember correctly, I can never great with with the conversion of heights from centimeters to feet. Um but he's somebody who when he picks the ball up he's very slight and you look at him and think he's just gonna get knocked off the ball. But his body control and his body orientation is so good that defenders don't even make contact when they're trying to. So often he he does that little faint the the fake move to go one way before just gliding the other way. But he does it so smoothly that the defenders are left completely unbalanced. I think that there was some talk last season, he only moved to Hammerby in June last year in 2020. And there was a lot of talk that we would see a lot of him last season for Hammer Being It never really materialised. I don't know how much of that was him trying to acclimatise to, to football and life in Sweden. I mean, you don't get much different climate-wise from, from moving from Nigeria to Sweden. So there will be a little bit of a, a period where he has to get used to, to life before you can get used to football. But certainly, this season for Hammerby I think we're going to see a lot more of it. So far in the Elizabeths scan. they've played three games. They haven't started well. They've already lost to Malmo and ALK, and they have managed to beat Mialbi. But Amu has been one of the key players. He's played, I think, the, the vast majority of minutes so far. And already we're seeing his style of play come out. We're seeing the, the dribble volume, we're seeing the the attacking threat and the, the intricate link-up play that he's capable of when the ball moves into that area. I think that there are still areas of his game where he's going to have to develop. Um, If we talk about I mean, it's it's still early, but if we talk about next steps away from Swedish football, then you're kind of looking at the next step up in terms of competition in a league. So, what, Holland, Belgium, lower tier, Liga, Bundesliga, the lower sides of those leagues, and you're looking at a player who really has to develop the defensive side of his game. I mean, yes, he's creative, yes, he's great in possession, but sometimes out of possession he can be played around a little bit too easily and he does have the athletic ability to press really well but he still doesn't always take the correct line of approach when he's pressing but all of these things all of these these apparent negatives are so difficult to place because he is just an 18 year old um he's an 18 year old who's only been in european football since june last year so you don't know how much tactical and technical training he's had at this point and how much of it has just been natural talent. So I think that we'll see those things develop at Hammerby. They're, they're a club who you would expect to be kind of mid-table, upper-mid-table in Aswinska this season, I think. And I think that Abu will get a lot of playing time and a lot of time to develop there. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of a lot of Interest. And I'm not talking from clubs necessarily,
0: but a lot of interest in, in just from people watching the al um, you know, in, in Amu this season, because it is purely about that dribble volume. As you say, he's just such an exciting player. And, and as you said, you know, he's around five foot three, five foot four. So not your average height for a for a professional footballer, but he still manages to mix it. And I think the, you know, the fact that he signed from, I think it was Cedos FC, it's listed on transfer in Nigeria um, in June 2020. You know the fact that he's been in European football for all of what nine months, um, and and the fact that he is potentially going to be one of the more exciting players in the Aspen scan this season, it, it it always gets me that you know, I think we we perhaps neglect the the the, the individual quality that is often in African football that they can come in to a, to a you know the Arsenal scan is a prestigious league let's not forget, um, and they can really really have an impact on games already and we've seen how much of an impact he's already had you know the this is why that that the squads at uh, youth international world cup uh tournaments and and sort of under 17 under 20 world cups from africa sort of like like nigeria's uh, in 2019 at the under 17 world cup uh, which uh, amu was a part of you know this is why those squads are so highly rated going yep. into the tournaments because there are so many sort of Untapped. There's there's so much untapped potential in there because I think the the I mean we've we've discussed this. I've discussed this with others on on this podcast, but there is so much potential in Africa which simply does not have a lens on it. Um, and yeah, I mean Amu is such an exciting player to watch. And the the the, the, the commentary that you mentioned, um, where the, the commentator just starts giggling, it, it is really funny because you know you could imagine that no matter at what level or or sort of the prestige of whatever TV channel. Uh, the game is being broadcast on. You could imagine the, the the commentator, whether it would be Martin Tyler or whoever's covering the Alsvin scan, they would just laugh because it's one of those things where you think this defender's got no chance. He's just, literally just moving through the gears um, and just seems to be gliding through. Um, and as as you said, you know there are there are a few sort of a few tweaks that perhaps need to be made to his game. But a he's eighteen. B they all sound very coachable as well, yeah. which is probably one of the more important things. Um, that, you know, it, it, he's coming into, into Swedish football and naturally he's going to be getting a good, a good coaching education with Hammarby. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a reflection of, of, of the scouting team uh, at, at Hammarby that they've been able to identify a player who's probably going to go into the top 20, 25% of players in that league. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job we've all been there some manscaping ruined by a shaving accident that's why manscaped has just released the new lawnmower 3.0 trimmer which features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those needless grooming accidents it's even waterproof so you can use it with ease in the shower complete with a usb charging stand 90 minutes runtime as well as 20 percent discount and free delivery when you use the code scouted20 what are you waiting for make your testies your besties Uh, moving on to to the next player though and and there are there are quite a few links here um because uh, the player who's second in my list is is Benny Adma Traore who plays for BK Hacken um also in Sweden um uh, and I think th- this is this is r- rather rather relevant given the, the the previous discussion we had on on amoud because um triore beny at triore has 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 come in from from cote d'ivoire he's coming from asik mimosas um who are probably one of the biggest clubs in in west africa um but scandinavian clubs has always have always had strong links to to african countries um you know we we only need to to look at sort of right to dream um how they own fc northland in, in denmark um, you know the likes of um even John Obi Mikel uh, playing at FK Lin Oslo 15 years ago before moving to to Man United and then Chelsea um but you know african immigration to sweden has has been um something which really really accelerated in the in the 70s 80s 90s with you know civil wars breaking out in in many former colonized african nations um and i was doing the, i was quite intrigued by this because it's always seemed to be a good platform for, for players. Um, you know, Krepin Diata went to Sarpsborg when he he moved from Senegal and there's been loads of other examples of, of African players going to Scandinavia as their first move into Europe. So I did a little bit of background and it turns out that apparently in, in 1960, there were reportedly just 600 people born in Africa living in Sweden. Um, but by 2000 that had moved up to 55,000. And then by 2009, that was a hundred thousand. So, you know, naturally that's going to filter into the footballing pyramid. Um, and one of those players who's who's made that move um, is, is another 18-year-old, is another winger, um, signed from Asik Mimosas in, in Côte d'Ivoire. Uh, and that is Benny uh, Adama Traore. Um, he joined even more recently in January 2021 um, and has played each game for Hocken this season, who um, finished third last year. So, you know, it's, it's not like he's coming into a team who are, you know, you know bottom feeders or who are struggling to to battle against relegation to the Super Eton, which is the second division um he, he's, he's coming in and he's starting in a team who are who well who should be doing better than they currently are they've had a, a bit of a slow start but he scored three goals already um uh, two in the cup and one in the league um and and very similar to Amu you know he's still quite small but he's this ball of energy at the moment um technically you can see you just what i watched about three or four of his games Already, you can see that he is technically at a level which is probably higher than the average that you're getting in Sweden at the moment. Um, you know, especially in those congested central areas, um, he operates mainly in that right-hand half space. And he just seems very much at home in a, a very a very foreign atmosphere. Um, you know, he, he, he similarly is a right-sided forward, likes to dribble, um, but quite intriguingly, likes to play infield as opposed to carrying it out wide like you might see with other right-footed right-wingers. Um I w- I wouldn't go as far to say that it's odd, but it's something that I thought well it's quite not abnormal but just it it it's something which you know you don't see all that often. Um I think that he's he's somebody who has who has who has very good potential just based on the the three or four games that I've seen. Um and you know these are games in which Hocken have been a little bit unfortunate but at the same time haven't really helped themselves. I think he has the potential to be a real, real asset to them this season, um, purely because his technical level is already is already there. He's already bang on, um, and he has been sort of one of the one, Reading up on on sort of on on Benny Traore, he has been sort of one of the most sought after players at one of West Africa's biggest clubs. So it's it's no surprise that he's um he, he's assimilated to the level quite well.
1: No, absolutely not. I think that he is a really I mean, Hawk and in general are really interested in terms of how they recruit, um, really clever with the kind of players and markets that they access to get players in. They they've obviously got a really good network across certain regions and areas of the world that they, they recruit from. They I had them I expect them to to be up towards the top of the table. You said they were third last year. I expected at least the same this year. Interestingly, they've started really slowly and they've actually lost all three games that they've played in the Scan so far. Um, but that does not detract from the, pro- the performances of Traore. I think um, with a player like this, he's somebody who I noticed after the second game. I think they, the match where they lost against Malmo, I kind of watched some of that game back and he was somebody immediately who, who stood out. But what I like to do when it's young attacking players I might not have seen or might not have seen a lot of one of the first things I tried to do is figure out whether they're right-footed or left-footed, just because it gives you a little bit of context. As you said, if they're left-footed and playing from the right, you'll expect them inside. If they're right-footed and play from the right, you expect them to go outside a little bit more. The first thing that I noticed was that I really couldn't tell if Traore was right-footed or left-footed because he's got that balance um, not scared to receive the ball on his left foot, not scared to play the ball on his left foot. But when he carries the ball, he does prefer to do it on the right. But as you say, he's coming inside, and he moves really smoothly and quickly through those congested spaces. So there's been a couple of points you see him pick up the ball, and he plays a given goal with a teammate, and he makes the incisive run. And it is so direct when he does it, that if the teammate finds the right pass, he's three on goal. Um, he's a player who, similar to Amu, he dribbles a lot, and you, you will see him carry the ball a lot at the opposition, but he does it really well. He, he's good at understanding how to keep the ball on the safe side, how to move the ball away from defenders, first touch into space to give himself a little bit of room before he explodes. All of these things you kind of look at and you start to build a picture of a player. And again, we talked about how Amu has came into Swedish football and had to acclimatise. You're absolutely right, Traoré has had less time. He only arrived in January of this year, and he's had to acclimatise to to life in Sweden extremely quickly. But on the pitch, you can already see that his teammates trust him, and I think that's a huge plus for a young player. You can see his teammates are willing to give him the ball. I think when I started to look at him a little bit more, I think that once you've done this for a little while, when you've you've looked at lots of players over the years, you kind of automatically start to draw a little bit of comparison between players when you're scouting them. And he reminds me of a lot of the first time that I really saw Osman Bukhari play, um, the Ghanaian winger who moved to Genk last summer for a million from Slovenian football. Um, he's somebody who I've wrote about for the Scout handbook before. He's got a similar profile in terms of the positions that he takes up, his movements, his direct nature towards goal, and he likes to get a shot away or a final pass away. So I, I think there's a a whole lot of promise from Traore at Haken this year. If anyone gets a chance to catch any of their games or to, to find highlight packages, I, I really recommend having a look at him.
0: Yeah, just on on the, the scouting element that obviously Hawken have done for um for uh, to, to to bring in uh Bernie Traore, Um, you know, they they also signed uh, a a young left back at the same time um from Asik Mimosas um by by the name of Yannick Adjumani, who hasn't played as much um but and, and doesn't have a contract to the same length, which I think is quite important. You know, they they pretty much I think they gave Triore a contract until twenty twenty four, which pretty much <laughs> outlines how how highly they rate him and how much they want to keep a hold of him. Um, but it shows that they do have that that scope uh, of of scouting in Africa. Um, moving on to, to the next player, the second player in your in your list, Lee, um, you've gone with uh, a player from Valerenga in Norway. Um, so we're, we're switching from the Alsvenskan to to the Elite in in Norway. Who is who who is it that you've gone with there?
1: Have you left it for me there, Joe, to, to pronounce his name? I know that you don't want to. Yes, I have. Yes, I, oh, have. Yeah. <laughs> yes I have. Okay. Uh, we, we've gone for a 21-year-old right back, currently playing for Valerenga in the Litesaren in, in Norway. His name is Christian Borchgrevnik. Borch Quite a mouthful there. Um, he's somebody who I really noticed last season. Um obviously we we touched upon the fact that the Norwegian league season hasn't got underway yet. So I'm I'm basing a lot of this on what I saw of him last term and what I've seen of him since really when I've kind of been keeping track of him. Um I think that he is a fullback Valerenga in the first instance. I mean, we could have chosen three or four players from Valerenga alone. To talk about on this podcast for young players with significant potential. Um, there are fantastic attacking players there. They've they've got midfielders who are metronomes who can pass the ball. But I really like what Burch Grevnik brings to them from a, a profile point of view. And a lot of what we talk about when, when you're scouting players, when you're doing it as a consultancy or for a club, it's really important that you start to think about how different player profiles kind of build up to to join together to make an overall squad if you like. So you want to have as many complementary profiles in the squad as you can. So if you've got a, a a winger on one side for example who you know likes to drift inside as we've just talked about Benny Traore then you want to have a fullback on that side who can either make the run to provide the width or is a really good progressive passer who'll be able to find Traore as he moves into those areas and that is something that Borch really really has as a strength. He is a fantastic ball progressor from that position as well as um, being capable defensively. He's not somebody who, he's not a fullback who you expect and I would expect to see absolutely powering along the outside and going round the winger. He's not somebody who hits the, the byline very often. He does occasionally situationally but he is more comfortable in slightly more withdrawn positions. I think If I was going to draw a parallel, think about the kind of areas that Trent Alexander-Arnold likes to pick up the ball in, in terms of supporting and being able to give you that angled deep cross that that he likes to play. Birch Grevnik likes to play in similar areas to that, so he likes to be the supporting player behind the ball who's always available to give an outlet. But last season, his metrics were extremely strong he averaged 51.19 passes per 90 which is extremely high for a right back even for a team like Valerenga, who you expect to be attacking a lot of the time he was quite often the outlet in terms of progressing the ball out from the back and since he's only 21 years old you already start to see that that's a player who his teammates and his coaches trust to take it to take the responsibility for that so those part of that passing volume is is then combined with 6.59 passes to the final third per 90 so again he's willing to play the line breaking pass he's willing to take responsibility to be the one who plays the ball in the final third and creates opportunities for his teammates to play from a more advanced platform and finally you have his progressive passes per 90 which is slightly different progressive passes just mean that from where he picks the ball up he's playing a pass over a certain distance it progresses the ball forward so not necessarily in the final third but still forward in dangerous areas and he was averaging 10.1 progressive passes per 90 last year. So, again, you start to, when you look at these metrics and you pull them together, and I, I'm I'm reading these off of a profile that we use at Total Football Analysis when we we write reports or we, we look at players, we pull everything together into one easy profile picture that shows you all the key metrics as well as positioning. And you really start to build a picture of what this player is as a right back. He's somebody who I don't expect to be in Norwegian football for much longer. I know there's already been interest from um Germany and Italy in the player, and I would expect that to become more concrete. And I think when you think about this, we think about the fact he's likely to leave. He's likely to leave for me this coming summer transfer window. And that's when the different league seasons in Sweden and Norway, when they play from from now through summer. That that's when it becomes difficult because players similar to South American leagues, clubs can lose important players halfway through the season. That's something I think that Valeringa will have to be very, very aware of because Borch Grevnik, I think, has the potential to play at a much higher level and to do so very, very well.
0: I can't claim that that I've seen any of 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 Butch Grevnik, um over the the past few days but since you gave me uh, your list lead but one thing that I can say is that sort of from his from his stats on transfermarkt, you know it, it he seems to be uh, i mean absolutely first choice you know he missed just the one game last season um as Volorenga finished third uh, and that was due to a yellow card suspension um you know he o- over the course of what was a very very condensed um, elite serian season which started in the ju- mid-june and then ended in mid-december um he played every game um so i mean that's we we always come back to the fact that the the availability factor on this podcast you know always being there always being able to showcase yourself yeah. is very important especially if you're playing in a league which isn't one of europe's biggest um but at least gives you a good platform uh and cl- you know clearly he was playing in a very good team playing with some very good teammates obviously you discussed um that there, we could have discussed three or four players in this Valorenga side. Um, you know, Osama Sarawi is probably yeah. one that I think we both probably looked at it for this podcast and went, no, he's he's too big. He's too <laughs> much of a he's too much of a name uh, in Scandinavian football at the moment. But um he he would have been another great one to discuss and and another one who potentially you know would be leaving in the summer. Um, and and obviously that is that's a that's a bargaining chip that the that will have um, for these these types of players mid season. Um, because you know you're, you're taking a, a player away from a team in the in the midst of a you know likely a title run or or, or a push for a push for Europe and um, it's yeah it's um it's one of those things where you probably you'd be you'd be inclined to say oh, well you know what we want x amount of money extra because you know we're gonna have to try and find a replacement very yeah. very quickly yeah. Um, but yeah on on Butch Rewnick, um I, I can't say that I've I've seen any any. Of him, um, but from from your description of him, he definitely sounds like an interesting player.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting to note as well that he signed a contract extension last year in August, so his contract doesn't expire to twenty twenty three. And I think that in itself is quite often a sign for a young player when he signs a contract extension that's multi year in that way. It's a sign that the club are trying to protect his value a little bit. So when, mm. I, again, I don't doubt that he's going to leave Valerina. I, there's, there's no way that he will stay at Valerina. He's yet to make his national team debut for Norway, but I don't think it can be far away. I, I, I confess I haven't actually asked the the oracle of Norwegian football, Ben Wells, who, who is somebody who, who I would kind of bow down to in terms of his knowledge compared to mine of Norwegian football. But I would think that players in front of him, there can't be many more of that quality. Um. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it will be become a hard thing for Valarenga to, to then be able to replace Portugal if he does leave but that's something that they do, they, they're they a selling and development club so they will have options and profiles in their youth teams that they will look to to bring through and that's part of the great thing of Scandinavian football that yes you get players we've already talked about the clubs that are recruiting very interesting players like Savamu and Traore and then you have the talent developers like Lund and, and like Valarenga Clubs who develop their own players and they get a chance at first team level, and that's something that's really important for young players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to to my final pick uh, from the Scandinavian list, um, and I've gone with an Icelandic international, which may lead people to believe that he's probably more well known than others, but um, he he may be well known um, in in the Potteries in, in around Stoke because <laughs> um, one of the one of the one of the main reasons that I've gone with Isak Bergman Johannessen um, who plays for IFK No in in the scan It's a bit of a theme in this podcast. Um, we uh, we we've got well, I've gone with him because his his background is as interesting as he is a player, uh, and this is taking nothing away from his ability. We'll get onto that, but he is um, a very very uh, intriguing figure in terms of the, uh, the 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 history of his family in professional football. Um, he he was born in Sutton Coalfield in the UK, which is near Birmingham, and um, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, shout out to anybody who's listening from that part of the world and didn't <laughs> know that. Um and his dad, who which I was really surprised to find out, is the former Aston Villa, Wolves, Leicester, Burnley, and Huddersfield midfielder, Joey Goodyonson. Um and the more that you dig, you find out that uh, Isak Bergman Johansson's um, grandfather is Gudjon Thordasson, who is a former Icelandic footballer and the former manager of Stoke, Barnsley, Notts County, Crew, a whole host of other Icelandic clubs. Um, his, his uncle is Bjarni Gudjonsson, who's another former Icelandic international, played over 100 times for Stoke, uh, played for Coventry, Plymouth, uh, and interestingly, is currently the under-19s coach at North Shopping. Um, we're not done yet. Another uncle is Torda Gudjundsen, who was a striker, Icelandic international, you may have guessed, who played for Genk, Bochum, Derby, Preston <laughs> and Stoke. Uh, and his third paternal uncle is Bjorn Sigurdsson, who plays for Molde at the moment in Norway, um, but was previously at Wolves and also appeared for Iceland at the 2018 World Cup. So there's a lot to unpack there. You know, yeah, he's, I,
1: think, he's got a... <laughs> I think there's one more. There's a cousin who plays for North Shopping as well. Um, There's a cousin. Oh, yeah. no, I can't believe that I've missed this. He's right <laughs> on my,
0: right under my nose at exactly he, the same team.
1: He has a younger cousin. I'm not sure if he's made the breakthrough or if he's about to make the breakthrough in first-team football, but I know that he's highly rated as well. I can't for the life of me remember his name because Icelandic names, for, for people who are wondering why the surnames are so different, it's not... In, in Iceland, naming It's slightly different where you take, I think, part of the name of the father and then... Join on to I'm not sure how it all works, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is another one. But it's some family tree.
0: Yeah, it's um the the, the Icelandic naming customs. It's, it's you, I think you take your father. The, it's patronymic, so you take your father's name and then add son of in, in Icelandic sin on the end. So um the sons of Goodjon um Joy Goodjonson, for example, is um his his father was Goodjon. Yes, son, So he is Gudjonsson. <laughs> Um Whereas with Bergman Johannesson. Um his, well, Joey Johnson's actual name is Johann or Johannes. So that's why Isak Bergman, Johanneson's name is, surname is <laughs> Um which for anybody who came to this podcast for uh, Icelandic family trees, you'd be delighted. <laughs> for others who've come for player analysis, believe me, we are getting onto that. Um, but yeah, uh, IBJ, as I think I'm going to call him from now on, um, is an 18-year-old Icelandic international. Um, he plays for no Shopping, uh, only recently turned 18. Uh, played at the under twenty one European Championships with Iceland, um, and it did appear a little bit out of his depth. But that was mainly because the entire Iceland team were um, at, at club level. No, he's he's been he's been tried over a number of different midfield positions, um, probably to to gauge where he's best at in senior football. Very similar to to Shelderup, I think at Nordsjælland. Um, but last season, he earned uh, nine assists in the Alspunskan uh, as a 17-year-old, which is obviously a figure that you can't really ignore. Um, and and uh, we mentioned scouted Lou, Lou Davies and, and his infinite wisdom with with Kunmi Amu earlier on. Um, but he has, has been a very, very big advocate for, for Bergman Johansson, um, who, you know, he, he expects him to be used in a double pivot this season um, as a number eight, um, mainly because he's, he's a very intelligent Uh, very, very mobile, um, very technique-based player. Um, And I mean, uh, Lou was very kind enough to send me his notes on him um, to sort of go against my own assessments. And and there were a few areas where we both came up with with the same sort of things. Um, And that was sort of in in terms of his technique and his his decision-making. You know, his first touch is very good. His close control is very good. Um, And for an 18-year-old playing top-level football does tend to make very alert, sharp, you know, p- forward-thinking decisions, whereas you might think that somebody his age would, would maybe dawdle on the ball a little more or maybe be a, less, uh, be a little bit more hesitant to to play the right pass at the right time. There isn't any of that, I think, um, or, or at the very least, very little of it, um, which is always quite encouraging. Um, the one area that, that we did sort of, um, we, we did agree on in terms of the negatives, and I wouldn't say the negatives, so to speak, but was that his defensive side of the game. And this was something which really showed up Um, at under 21 euros um, was that his, his defensive awareness is, is his physicality in defensive duels. That's probably a little bit lacking at the moment. Um, whether that will hinder him in uh, in a double pivot this season with no shopping w- remains to be seen but yeah he's not um, he's, he's not a, a hugely physical player but there are plenty of redeeming aspects to his game I'm, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of him uh, Lee considering that you know who his cousin is <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I have he this was the only player who I actually also had on my original list it just so happens a little peek behind the curtain for everybody you sent me your list first um, so obviously you got in there first and and managed to claim him before I could. Uh, I also didn't know that we're allowed to get other people to do your homework for us. So from now on, I'll, I'll make sure I remember that for these four times. <laughs> It, <laughs> no, the it was pu- it was
0: purely to see um, whether I, w- I was uh, assessing him on the same plane as as who I would describe as sort of the world leading expert on Issac Bergman Johansson, which is <laughs> which is Lou Davies, yeah. um, who he does fantastic work for for Scouted, lots of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to, I wanted to see if I was on the right lines. You know, a little bit of imposter syndrome coming in here. <laughs>
1: Maybe. Um, he is a, a real real talent I think that you talked about his family tree and I think that from a potential point of view and from where his career could develop from and into I think he could be the one who goes on to to do bigger things in the game than his dad, his granddad, his uncles not sure about his cousin yet, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, it's a mark of a player that I think Lou's absolutely right, I think he's going to play in a double pivot this year for no chopping um, I'm expecting them to be kind of top six in the Finsca Scan. not quite up. I mean, from a purely talent point of view, their squad is absolutely packed. But I think that there are certain issues in terms of um, tactical considerations. They're not quite at the level where I think they'll be challenging for the, the league title this season. And I do think he'll play in that double pivot as a number eight. I think that this is partly going to really help his development because you're absolutely right his defensive side of his game is weaker than his offensive side he's he's worth worse off the ball and he's on the ball he can let runners come off him at times he can get himself a little bit caught out in pockets of space where he's not trapped to runners and being able to move across slide across to block passing lanes Physically as well, although he is a good height, I think he's just a shade under six feet tall, um, he can still be pushed off the ball a little bit, he's still got time to fill out, but really I would expect him to start gaining weight in terms of muscle from about this point in his, his development and you will he, you will see him over the next 12, 14, 16 months he will start to put a little bit more weight on um, as they, they change their training regime for him to, to get him bulked up a little bit to play in that midfield. But on the ball, I think that you you ran through a lot of his technical qualities and you're absolutely bang on. How I would summarise it is that he's a really clean player. You see him receive the ball really well. I talked about it before with another player, but first touch into space, open up the game a little bit, give yourself time on the ball. And then he's got the quality to play little interlinking passes in tight areas or to stretch the field with longer passes. So he has that versatility on the ball that you really like in kind a of midfield player. And he also carries a little bit of a goal threat when he moves up towards the final third as well. Um, so yeah, he, he's another one who I am really high on. Again, I don't expect him to stay in Sweden um, for long. So chopping fans enjoy while he's there and we'll look to see where he moves on to next.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think he'll probably be, end up being turfed out by his cousin, um, whoever whoever that is. I think, for, and at bonus points for anybody who um, who tweets the account uh, and tells us his name, um, because that'll that'll be quite nice to see that other people have shared the um, shared the the, give, the, the affinity.
1: Tip, cause since I'm, Joe had somebody do my homework for me, I actually <laughs> listened the other day to the Nordic Football Pod. Which is Jonathan Fadugba and Steve Weiss, I think, that do that. And um, they had a whole Arsene scan preview podcast that I listened to, and I'm fairly sure that Jonathan mentions the cousin in there. I think that that's where I picked up on it from. So if if you do want to get those bonus points and and tweet Joe, um, then go and listen to that first and send the name of the player. Uh, moving on to
0: the final player in our list, and that, that is Lee's third pick. Um, he is uh, Bermanchevich from uh, who? Well, I say from Malmö. He's only just gone to Malmo. Um Do you have any more sort of on on? I, I mean, I've in my list here. I've only got his, his surname. So, Lee, could you tell us <laughs> what his first name is, please?
1: Yes, yeah, sure. Um, this is Velko Bermanchevich, who is a 23 year old. So he's right at the the fringes of scout football you know, relevancy, if you like. Um, but he has only just moved, as you said, to Malmo Nazvinska, and he moved from Kukuriki. Um, I'm pronouncing that wrong, I know I am, because I'm not getting the inflection right for Serbian, but Kukuriki and Serbia. Um I wanted to talk a little bit about Čević because he's an example of a player who... I have been touting Bermanchevich to clubs around Europe as part of our consultancy for, for Total Football Analysis. Whenever a club in Scandinavia, in Belgium or Holland come to us and say we're interested in finding young players, wingers, can you help us? Bermanchevich has always been on my list for one reason or another. He, the moves never came off for him. I think he is another player whose um, dribbling stats are absolutely real and real. That's why he always comes up when you do data searches on, on leagues in Eastern Europe or, or in general when you're looking for young wingers because his dribbles per night air absolutely through the roof. He's a very direct left sided attacking player. Um, he likes to pick up the ball on his right foot and then he moves really quickly into the half spaces and just drives at the opposition. I think that clubs have always been a little bit put off by the fact that his final ball sometimes seems a little bit loose. He's very direct in that he gets the ball and dribbles. Maybe he doesn't interplay as much as he could. Maybe he tries to do too much on his own. But... I found it really interesting that Malmo finally... And just, just for clarity, Malmo were not one of the clubs who, who I've done any consultancy over, so I'm not claiming any any relevancy in terms of this was down to me or I put his name forward, nothing like that. Malmo signed him completely on their own and it caught me by surprise when they did so because it came quite late, I think. But now he's came into Malmo to a club who... Many people think are going to win the Elfsmann Scan this season and win it quite easily. So he will be playing in a very attacking setup, very possession dominated. And the, the former Newcastle striker John Daltonson, um, Newcastle as well as I think Feyenoord and Milan and a few others in there. Um, he's somebody who I expect to have a, a big impact over the course of the season. But more than anything else, I want to kind of highlight how. Players sometimes can look really good in certain markets, in certain leagues, but for one reason or another don't get the chance to move. Um, Bermanshevic, as I said, he's a quality dribbler. He's somebody who has a goal threat as well. But he also has really, really interesting defensive metrics for a left winger. He tracks back really well, as we, we talked about, I think, with Amu and how he needs to add that to his game. He could look at Bermanchevich as an example of that because he tracks back to help his fullback really well. He blocks passing lanes. He angles his run when pressing the ball to cut passing lanes and to make sure that the ball carrier is put under maximum pressure. And all of these things are signs of a player who, at 23 was at the stage of his career where he was going to start stagnating, I think, if he stayed in Serbian football for much longer. I actually fully thought that Bermanshevic would get a move to a higher level. I was convinced that a club in Belgium or Holland would be the right move for him. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on at Malmo. And if he does do really well, whether he gets another move off the back of it or whether this is kind of his level and maybe I've been wrong all along. So,
0: just to clarify as i've been allowed to get somebody else to do my homework for me um Lee is allowed to uh to to have an axe to grind over players that uh, he's con- consistently recommended but <laughs> been has been uh, but his recommendations have been have fallen on deaf
1: ears just um, ignore, Joe, I don't understand why nobody wants to sign him um, for any for any people who are listening to us though who play football manager and want football manager picks there's one for you um go and go and sign him and see how he develops for you.
0: Yeah, he'll probably still be at Kukariti um, um, uh, uh, in the game as well, won't he? Um, because he only signed for Malmö at the start of March. Uh, which I, I think about players signing for teams in March, and I'm starting to think about the days before transfer windows existed. <laughs> yeah. Um, it all seems a bit odd, and it all seems a bit a bit alien and a bit weird. But yeah, he signed in in March. Um, I think yeah. In in terms of uh, Bermanchevich, yeah, he's he's very much at the 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 upper upper echelons of of scouted relevancy, as as Lee said. Um, and, and another player who, I mean, just from fit on face value, you know, just look like a very, very interesting dribbler. Um, I think, I think leagues such as Belgium and Holland, I would probably agree that there is probably a market for those types of players there, but I don't necessarily think that Marmo's a bad move. I yeah. think that them obviously being, you know, title challengers and, and likely to be playing, um, European football. Um, most seasons is probably a good indicator of of his his his, his top level ability, uh, and the fact that he's been given uh, well for Scandinavian teams a, a long contract. You know he's there until 2024, and I think that's usually a good indicator, a, a hint towards how highly um, teams in in that part of the world rate the players that they're bringing in. Um, you know, if if they're giving them one or two year deals, then it's it's the, the onus is very much on the player to to display why they should be given an, an extended terms but with with players such as uh Bermanchevich and and and, and uh, Benny Triore who we discussed earlier giving them long contracts is very much a and and even Budg Grevnik um the these are a are players where they've been given a long contract to protect protect their value you know they're very much seen as assets who um the club can't afford to lose but are very you know accepting that if they did have a very good season then you know they would have the the leverage to say, well, he's got a contract for another three years. You're going to have to pay up. Um, but yeah, I think that um, that pretty much wraps things up for us on on this episode. Uh, a bit of Scandy Pod scouting um, for us. I think we've we've had a, a nice spread. 16 uh, year old Andreas Skelderup, 23 uh, year old. Uh, Velko Bermanchevich and, and everybody else in between uh, from the Alsvenskan, Elite Serie and, and the Danish Superliga um, that's all from us um, thank you very much for tuning in if you'd like more podcasts uh, such as this then do check out uh, the Scouted Football Patreon and become a subscriber or if you'd like to to hold this type of analysis in your hands then do check out the Scouted Football Handbooks um, which you can get from sfhandbook.com um, all that's left to do is say thank you very much Lee for, for joining me again this has been as, as ever with the Scouting Pods, a, a whirlwind tour of a, of a particular region, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks Joe me too. Excellent stuff. Right, well, in the meantime, take care, stay safe, and bye for now. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code SCOUTED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free delivery at manscaped.com. Use code SCOUTED20.
1: Your balls will thank you.